0: Huh? The only way I would do a pizza-themed podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Where the Story Stops. I'm your host, Colin Mersch, joined as always by Ryan McKibben. Um, Ryan, how you doing? Hi. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all right. Yeah. I got pizza on the mind. And I'm ready to talk about movies. That's sounds like you're doing pretty good.
1: That's good. Yeah. Honestly,
0: pretty, pretty solid. How about you? Uh, yeah. I uh, now I have pizza on the mind there you and uh, I, you know, I also have a squad um, at the front of my mind. But, you know, before oh. that, I think it's time for the lowdown, um, oh. which is a new segment we're going to be yeah. introducing um, yeah. Ryan, why don't you tell them a little bit about the segment and then give them the lowdown.
1: I, you know, I would be happy to give the lowdown on the lowdown. Um, we're just going to talk a little bit about you know, recent movie news uh, in the past week or so. Uh, just you know, one or two significant things that have happened in the world of film, whether that be movies being released, trailers being released, some kind of uh, big drama being stirred up. Uh, Although we probably won't focus too much on that. But yeah, just to kind of give you a quick summary and a quick discussion on stuff that might have happened that you might have missed or give our own opinions on a significant event that's happened. And yeah, with that, um, it's been a pretty, hasn't been the most eventful week in movie news, but I think that the biggest thing that's happened in the past week or so is the release of the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Uh, Which quickly became, it set records for the most viewed trailer in 24 hours. Um, It reached 355.5 million views uh, views. worldwide. That is a lot of views. Beating out Endgame. Yeah. Um, It was a lot of views. Very, very hotly talked about. uh, Especially... With the return of Alfred Molina's Doc Ock
0: and Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, it's about time the MCU got a good villain. Um, <laughs> is that a hot take? Yes, it is. No, uh, there's a couple good villains, but Doc a- Ock a- is. the There's spirit. a handful, but yeah, Doc Ock
1: is like the template, right? Yeah. Like I, I have said previously on the podcast, I don't think that will ever get as good of a Spider-Man as Spider-Man two, the original Sam Raimi one. I stand by that, but if they're going to bring back Alfred and Helena doc off, who I think I am pretty sure I've talked about at least one, maybe two other episodes. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm not going to okay. <laughs> complain about them bringing him back, even if they weirdly digitally deage him.
0: We're all going to be digitally deaged one day, Ryan. And that's just a reality. We need to come to grips with. Um, you currently are older than anybody wants to see. Once, <laughs> once AR technology gets there, we'll all be digitally deaging aging each other through our glasses. That's uh, true. Um, where the story stops, DH coming to you <laughs> in the 30 years. <laughs> well, luckily, this is an audio medium. Um, <laughs> but, but now that the lowdown is there, and thank you for introducing that segment. I think that was great. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, in more newsworthy weeks, we might have a little bit more to talk about. But for now, that is, yeah, that's the lowdown. Yeah.
0: Um. So, moving toward our main topic, um, there, there is a movie that has been released by DC Entertainment, um, called The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn, um, and it is a sequel slash reboot of the similarly named suicide squad drop the the Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) yeah uh we this recently came out it did pretty well in the box office um some people claim that it's the best thing in the dceu including um the snyder cut um some people know that that is blasphemy um, but you know it's worth it. the discussion, so I think it's <laughs> time that we go ahead and engage in that
1: i I really thought that the most divisive thing in this podcast history, the Snyder cut, would never again be resurrected as point of discussion. but here we are. <laughs> you knew it was coming back, baby yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I should have known better um, yeah, so the suicide squad, um a little bit about the it's, got, it's a movie with an interesting history, I guess. Um, the original Suicide Squad, like you mentioned, Drop the The, was released a few years earlier. Um, yeah, released a few years earlier, back in 2016. It was directed by David Ayer with a different cast. And it was pretty universally pant. Um, it did well in the box office. But critically, it was not very well received. Hey, it won an Oscar. It did win an Oscar,
0: which is I believe it was for special effects or makeup. I don't remember which.
1: I believe it was makeup, which, I mean, it's okay as far as makeup goes. Sure. Sure. Um, I remember seeing a lot
0: of very impressive images of the Joker.
1: Um, (laughs) He's got a J so that you know who he is. Anyways, so... I will talk a little bit more about the movie itself.
0: The The original original or the new original.
1: The original in comparison to this one. I'll talk about that a little bit more later on when we're discussing the Suicide Squad proper. But needless to say, not very well received. And DC decided to go another direction for the quote-unquote sequel to, to Suicide Squad. They searched for a couple of different directors. They were trying to source one and james gunn had recently been put on the directing market um he a couple of internet trolls kind of dug up some old tweets by james gunn they circulated around and walt disney let him go from directing guardians of the galaxy 3
0: in uh, in plain terms he was canceled for about two weeks and then came back
1: yeah, um, pretty much. But yeah, within it. those two weeks, yes, he was hired by DC to direct the sequel for The Suicide Squad. So James Gunn kind of... or the sequel He finessed too. the system. Yeah, he finessed the system. He got the best of both worlds.
0: He definitely um, employed those trolls to dig up the old tweets because he knew he, he could knew. get an extra movie deal out of this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was all part of his plan. Yes. Um, no, I mean, just an li- interesting little tidbit as to why james gunn ended up directing the suicide squad i think that james gunn was a really good choice given his history with the guardians of the galaxy films because the premise is a little bit similar you know a group of 'er ne'er-do-wells rogues in the case of this movie a little bit less heroic and a little bit more villainous than the protagonists of the guardians of the galaxy movies but a group of villains assembled to try to do something a little bit more heroic, a little bit more on the side of good, while you know, knowing that at any point in time the head of the suicide squad could flip switch and they're dead. Yeah. Which is yeah, a little bit of the darker premise of this movie.
0: Yeah. Um and I I agree he was a good choice um given that he'd already proven himself in this genre and fans Of The Guardians films, many of them consider themselves fans of Gunn, just because of how much his style and direction really shaped those films. Um, So I think a lot of people were very excited when they heard that he took over this project, and that he would um, be be heavily involved with kind of the direction of the DCEU. Um, So, yeah, let's let's go ahead and get into it a little bit. Um, first off, I just want to say, incredible cast, um, really good cast. Holy, yeah, like guy. just uh, just for the right up top. There are going to be plenty of spoilers for this film, um, and I'm about to start talking about one. So, yeah, there it is. If you haven't, go get an HBO Max subscription and give it a watch. Yep, but um big name actors uh very good actors who die in the first sequence (laughs) are michael rooker nathan fillion um who else who else was in there pete davidson pete davidson um Um, i mean so courtney yeah uh i mean just you had like all these great actors in the opening scene that you saw and it was like, wow! I didn't know, I didn't know Michael Rooker was in this film, and he's literally the first person you see. It's like, oh, I didn't know because he dies almost. Immediately. He dies very,
1: very quickly. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But aside from that, in main cast, everybody I thought did a stellar job. Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is perfect casting. It's it's one of the few things I think uh, they got right in the first film. Um, Margot Robbie is great as Harley Quinn. Uh, John Cena is a good actor. That is (laughs) something I would have said before seeing this film. Um, Yeah, he does really well, believe it or not. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone plays a shark. Um, (laughs) Idris Elba is, of course, transcendent as normal. Um, And I don't know how to pronounce the guy's name, but the guy who plays Polka Dot Man kills it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, David Desmelchian. There it is it is. there it is. Yeah, there it is. Uh, he he, absolutely kills it as kind of this sad sack, uh, yeah, kind of guy who is covered in very colorful polka dots. Uh, yeah, I mean the the core cast is. Well,
0: re- also I do want to give sorry before we yeah. move on. I just want to give some uh, props to Daniela Melchior too. I am not familiar with her outside of this work, but I thought she did very well as well, and I don't want to leave her out of the conversation. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that as... I believe she's a little bit less of a well-known actress than the big names like Edris Elba, Margot Robbie, John Cena. But she gives... Her performance gives the film a whole lot of heart. And I think that's kind of valuable
0: to the film as a whole, and she does a really good job at anchoring that. Yeah. So... That's one of the big strengths of this film, right up top. There there I think there was a lot of strikes in this film, but another one I want to talk about is just they got the tone almost completely right in my opinion. Like it balances fun um with a more dramatic tone in scenes, but mostly it's fun, which is really what this should be. Um yeah. it is campy at times. Um but that doesn't feel out of place given the way that Gunn directs. So overall, I got I to gotta say, like, they, they set a good tone with this. It didn't take itself too seriously, which I feel is what may have been a problem in the first one. Um, yeah, yeah. As far as another casting role, though, I do want to bring up is Viola Davis reprises her role. And uh, she's not utilized much, is... Mm-hmm is the word I'll use. Um, She, she is uh, very much a minor character in this film and an actress of her talents. I, I think that's a shame. That's super fair.
1: I think that a large part of that was, she was a holdover from the first film. So it just made sense to include her reprising her character from the first film where I could say a lot of bad things about Suicide Squad without the David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Um, But I would agree that she's kind of underutilized. Viola Davis is an incredible actress. Um, And she doesn't have a whole lot to do. I think that for the role in the movie, it's fine because that is kind of all the character of Amanda Waller needs to do. But I would agree that when you get an actress of Viola Davis's caliber, that it's a little bit off-putting to see her just
0: do that, have a smaller role kind of in the background. Yeah. And I I might jump ahead from where you want this conversation to go, but um, I, I do want to talk about how her character was used a little bit. And in addition to being a diminished role, it also... I don't think it was. I don't think it was executed well either. And that's not on Davis. That's on writing and directing. Like she is cruel for cruelty's sake. And I didn't see the first Suicide Squad right up the right off the top. I know Ryan, you did. Um, I did not. So I'm not speaking to inconsistencies. What I'm saying is, watching this film, and since it is somewhat of a reboot, I feel like I shouldn't have to watch the first one in order to appreciate the characters. She, near the end of the film, nearly kills the squad for the sake of killing them, essentially. They had completed their mission completely. They were going to be back in custody, but before they were, they wanted to also save some innocent people. Um, And she took this as somehow a threat, even though that makes no sense for her character, and nearly kills them which I I
1: don't understand. Sure. I think part of that might've been, well, these five members of the suicide squad are still here to be utilized for further missions. They're very useful individuals. And so when they run into danger to try to save a city, quote unquote, unnecessarily they're risking Mm -hmm. their lives and potentially later usefulness by Waller for other Ends or missions or whatever.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose that's fair. Um, I guess I would have appreciated if that was communicated instead of implied. Sure. Um, yeah, and following up on that, that scene ends with not them dying, but one of her inferior, well, what's the word? Subordinates. Um, one of her subordinates hitting her over the head with a wrench, um, which knocks her out and they... And the subordinates let our heroes slash villains do what they're going to do. Um, this is another thing that is annoying to me because that doesn't make any damn sense. After she wakes up from being knocked out, there are no repercussions for anybody at all. She just wakes up with a headache and seems to uh, feel bad. And based off of what they've established about her character, there's no reason why she wouldn't, wreak havoc on her department and also on the squad. Like That is inconsistent with the character that was just shown to us as threatening to kill them for trying to save innocence. She would absolutely at least fire the people <laughs> that knocked her out and disobeyed direct orders. Um, so yeah. that was annoying to me because if you're going to do that there needs to be a repercussion and they instead just had her look upset (laughs) that's silly (laughs) it it was kind of weird
1: i think that in the less realist world of james gunn it might make sense but it was a little bit of an immersion break for me as well i was just like oh my subordinates just knocked me out in order to defy orders and risk ever like this entire operation kind of yeah and i'm just gonna be okay with that I mean, I yeah. guess there was kind of a punishment in that post-predits scene where it's like, oh, well, you're going to go um, work with Peacemaker. That's kind of a punishment, I guess.
0: I sure. guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's just setting up for another movie. like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, TV show, actually. Oh, TV show, sorry. No. Um, but yeah, it's it It was bad writing, in my opinion. Um, sure. I And I assume that that's because they... I assume the reason why those scenes were written at all is because there was a pressure to include this character that didn't fit Gunn's vision of this narrative. Like, I don't think his version of the narrative has Viola Davis' character. What is, what is she called again? <laughs> Sorry. Amanda Waller. No worries. <laughs> Amanda Waller. In, in his version, like, there's no room for that character, really. Um, and I feel like this scene was basically just... a quick runaround to get around that character existing, um, which is a shame because, like, write better.
1: <laughs> fair you, enough.
0: You clearly know how to. Um, so, yeah. Um, that, yeah. That is something that stuck with me as a negative on this. Very film. fair.
1: Very fair. I think that otherwise, though, going back to your previous point about the tone, I'd agree that the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's Suicide Squad, hits... It's very close to the bullseye as far as tone for this kind of movie goes. Yeah. I think it is a really good balance between gleeful violence, um, being over the top, being silly in parts, being serious in others, and surprisingly enough for a movie about a bunch of villains called The Suicide Squad. yeah, It has a lot of heart and kind of emotional ties as far as the characters go. Again, not necessarily super seriously, but in the same vein as Guardians of the Galaxy, where it has this kind of found family trope within this very wacky world, the Suicide Squad employs that very often. And I think that for the most part, with a couple of exceptions, it hits those notes successfully certainly better than the first movie i'll bring up david ayers suicide squad briefly here having watched it very recently a couple of hours ago um, where the suicide squad is colorful and you know very fast moving david ayers suicide squad is the worst thing one of these kinds of movies can be, which is boring and dull. And it hits pretty much none of the emotional notes successfully. Mm -hmm. And it's just generally, I could say a whole bunch of bad things about that movie because it truly was not an enjoyable watch. But
0: another, another thing I do want to talk about there that's related to this is I think they made a really wise choice in this movie of most of the characters outside of Harley Quinn are unknown to the vast majority of the audience. Whereas in the, in David Ayers, um, there were multiple characters that were known to the audience and he, they chose to do something with that. There was strong backlash to. Obviously I'm thinking of Joker. Um, Mm Joker has been represented probably a dozen times and everybody. And I mean, everybody that, whose opinion seems to hold any weight agrees that this is the worst iteration of the Joker ever. It's really bad. Yeah. It's truly awful. Yeah. Um so the I think they made a really wise choice in this in that basically all of these characters don't have any baggage. So if you want to do something with them that's different, you don't have people's expectations to deal with as well, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that also just fits better into the tone of the movie. Right. Whereas David Ayer's Suicide Squad is like, yeah, here's the worst of the worst. We're going to be so edgy and whatnot. Mm -hmm. James Gunn's Suicide Squad is like, all right, here are the Z-list villains, the uh, Mm -hmm. washed up, nobody gives a shit about nobodies that are villas in nature that nobody will care if we send them off somewhere and they get killed and as a result that's where the movie draws a lot of its aforementioned heart from is the fact that nobody wants any of these people until they meet each other and they decide well we're pretty all right together yeah, except for that first, except for the first sequence where a lot of them die. Uh,
0: but we all know. That, but it is revealed in the film that they are the distraction team. They are only there to die. Um, right. Those in that scene, they are for the sake of a viewer that is listening but has not seen the film. Um, there, the opening scene has these actors that I said playing various characters that um, are. Uh, going on to a beach of this island nation um, to do a covert op. They are met by the military forces of that and wiped out um, in humorous fashion. But we then find out that this is actually just a distraction for uh, the main team, the Idris Elba team, to board on a different part of the island and actually um, complete the mission.
1: Yeah, I'll also say that the fight sequences, the action sequences in this film, I generally enjoyed very much. The, that fir- the first scene on the beach that we were just talking about, where the distraction team gets killed, is just like this gleeful killing off of mm-hmm. so many characters that is super, super violent. But a lot of Just a lot of fun to watch. uh, Yeah. Because it's just, it seems like James Gunn unrestrained as far as, well, how can I kill all of these characters? Save for Harley Quinn and Rick Flagg, who survive and are main characters in the film. But even after that, you know, you've got other action sequences. Something that I enjoyed about this film that not a lot of other superhero films get right is that, the action sequences each have a purpose to them. There is, it serves the themes or the plot of the movie in an easily describable way. Like when they're going through the camp to rescue Rick Flagg, the main team, the Edge of Salvation team, is going through the camp to rescue Rick Flagg. There is a very clear, it serves a couple of different narrative purposes. You know, you have obviously, are going to you know rescue rick flag they are also showing showcasing all the different ways that the team can kill people and Mm -hmm. as a kind of meta twist on that part it is also a competition between idris elba's character bloodsport and john cena's peacemaker to kind of one-up each other in how intricately and show awfully they can kill people, mm-hmm. which is
0: funny. It's fun. It, it, yeah, it's it gets fun. the tone exactly right, right? It's, exactly. Like you said, gleeful violence, um, which is appropriate given the concept. Um yeah, I think that scene is brilliant. I, I really do. Um mm-hmm. I also the the reveal that this is actually they they messed up, they <laughs> killed a bunch of uh, potential allies um a bunch,
1: of freedom fighters, yeah. a bunch
0: of freedom fighters on the island that could have helped them um but that's okay <laughs> so mm-hmm. i i agree that was um a fantastic scene um i this is one of those scenes that helped me realize what i mentioned earlier that john Cena is a good actor who has been cast poorly in the past including in wwe that man mm-hmm. was born to play the heel And he does it really well in this movie. Um, We find out later that he is, he has his own mission. um, In addition to the mission of the rest of the squad, where he is basically going to um, destroy a piece of evidence that would implicate the United States uh, in and cause a international incident. Um, and he has to betray the Suicide Squad in order to do so. Um, and he executes this very well as an actor. He balances it great. Um, and I I just... I'm impressed. Because the last movie I saw him in was Bumblebee. And mm-hmm. Bumblebee, uh, the Transformers film, the worst part of it is John Cena's character. Um, and I don't mean because he... It doesn't fit or anything like that. I just don't think the role was good i don't think his performance was good um but in this i'm like yeah this i understand why he you know has a good reputation now so yeah yeah i
1: he plays that role very well like you said as the heel, but kind of as the you know not the evil for evil's sake heel, but the kind of self-righteous uh there, there he even he has that line um, where a character is like you, are Peacemaker. You kill uh, so many people, and he's like, "I love peace. I don't care how many men, women, and children I have to kill in order to get it," um, <laughs> or something along those lines. And it was it was really good. I, I think he plays that very well. And like you said, at the near the climax of the movie, where there is that twist, where Peacemaker has to turn on the suicide squad in order to prevent this sensitive information that was dangerous to the american government from getting out he does that very well because it is it, it i think it was a very masterful switch where it didn't seem like his character changed in any kind of significant way but just with the introduction of this piece of information, he goes from, you know, dedicated ally of the Suicide Squad and dedicated to the mission to the edit secondary antagonist in the movie who is now working against the Suicide Squad. And, like, Peacemaker doesn't necessarily... You know, flip entirely. It's the same character, but I think it's a testament to that scene and also John
0: Cena's acting I, that is. I do have a slight disagreement there. I do think sure. there is a shift in character, and it is possibly a problem. It depends really on your own viewer experience with this, um, but he plays a uh, an idiot kind of in the first part of the movie until he turns. And he seems suddenly much more competent. Um, which, when I was watching the movie the first time, was not an issue for me. But after talking about this movie with a few people that, um, you know, I respect their opinions of the movies, uh, it was pointed out to me that, you know, this can be a little bit jarring, considering he goes from making, uh, you know, pretty immature sex jokes one minute to, <laughs> Uh, becoming a hardened sort of freedom, like peacemaker character in the most villainous sense of what that character could be. Um, it, like I said, for me personally, it was an issue. But I, I think there's some merit to those complaints that I've heard.
1: So yeah, I I see how that how that is kind of an issue. It is a very jarring switch of competence. But yeah. I think that Peacemaker is just as competent as the situation needs him to be. Yeah, I don't think there's really a situation where his incompetence endangers the mission necessarily. That's it's true. That's true. Just, I
0: wouldn't yeah. even say incompetence because um, he has shown to be competent. He's just kind of a fool, right? Um, beforehand, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, like I said, I personally didn't have an issue with this, but I think there's sure. some room for. The critique, yeah. Um, kind of related to this, another character who I have a gripe with their characterization. Um, Peter Capaldi's character. Uh, do you have the name available by chance? Because the I- thinker. Yes, the thinker. Peter Capaldi's character. He plays a, the scientist responsible for basically the theme, MacGuffin, right? Um, he, he controls this giant alien starfish that's going to destroy everything. Um, he is unessential to the plot and his power, if it exists, is never revealed. He just looks weird. He has a big head. He has rods sticking out of his head. That is never talked about. But they,
1: real real quick there when he's near, when he's introduced the general is like oh well you have kind of mockingly you have those sticks in your head
0: to make you smarter and the thinker is like yes i do right I, I they they do they do say that and they do seem to imply that he is above normal intelligence um that's never really shown mm-hmm. ever ever yeah. uh like he is taken in by the Suicide Squad and completely controlled by them. He never uses his wits to escape or anything. The most he ever does that's maybe clever is revealing to John Cena what the plan, that the U.S. is responsible for this and maybe he figured out that his character would turn on the others, but that like, we never never get any payoff from him and the only thing that he seems to have done was uh, give some exposition. Like, I don't believe his character was essential to the plot, and that is something I actually have an issue with when that happens in a movie. Anytime a character is introduced specifically um, and he was like a center point of the mission, but it feels like they could have done what they did without him, uh, That that's not good, in my sure. opinion. I get that. He doesn't have a whole lot to do in
1: the movie. To caveats to that i guess uh-huh. there th- this might be me doing some hopeful reading into the cinematography of the movie sure but i would say that one thing that he might have accomplished in the scene where they're getting the thinker in the bar when the thinker first walks into the bar he kind of looks around at the suicide squad and the the camera work looked like it was implying that the thinker was clocking the suicide squad in the bar as he was entering. And it cuts, it cuts from that to the army approaching the bar. Sure. Which makes me think that what they might've wanted to imply was that the thinker somehow knew that the suicide squad was going to be there and alerted
0: the army to come to the bar in order to pick them up. So uh, I think you're giving a lot of credit where credit isn't due. Um, <laughs> the, I, I buy that he clocks them when they walk into the bar. I cannot buy without any thing to confirm it, that he then was able to contact the army to show up. Um, well, I I think that he
1: knew that he was going into the bar, that he was
0: going to get captured. That's what I was thinking might have been right, implied I just, there. I'm but not willing is... to accept that they are, that that is the case without more evidence is my sure like you need to to give me more if that Um, was if that was what they
1: wanted to do i'll admit that they should have made that a little bit clearer yeah Um, you could have just
0: shown him uh on a phone or you know sending a message where we see the tail end of it or something um like you could have done this in a way that took up one second of screen time and would have implied that stronger than a cut to something different and sure to imply causation there
1: yeah um, understandable the second so kind of caveat there he does kind of serve the suicide squad couldn't have gotten in without him technically because he provides the access to the building it isn't a very big
0: right my goal. my problem with that is that they had already introduced other like harley Quinn gets what is is briefly romantically interested in the president of this country and you just as easily could have had her get the access ability from him like there there were other ways to do that so if his only purpose is entrance into uh odenheim i believe is what it was called you J- jodenheim um if that's his only purpose to the plot that's that it, given the other characters that have been introduced you didn't need him again on a inessential um like you their mission briefing could have just been get into Jotunheim and they found out a way because harley was with the president and killed him and Mm -hmm. could have got an access card or a code or something there um like there were there were other plenty of other opportunities to get in yeah yeah, so. that's fair.
1: He was a smaller part of the movie than
0: maybe he could have been.
1: He could have yeah, been
0: a lot considering more. Considering he was in the very one. mission briefing, I just want him to feel important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, super fair.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, those are those are my major gripes with the film overall. I thought it was a fun film. It's one mm-hmm. that uh, you know, if the trailer appeals to you, you should watch. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the highest praise I can give it. If the trailer appeals to you, it meets those expectations that that sets. If the tone of the trailer is something that's unappealing to you, then the movie will be too because this is a specific feel. And sometimes I could definitely see a lot of people that could be turned off by that sort Mm -hmm. of tone. Um. So yeah, that's that's my highest praise I can give
1: it. Super fair. I. uh, I think I enjoyed the movie a little bit more than that. I will say I saw an interesting point online that I kind of agree with that if the superhero market was less saturated, sure, sure, the Suicide Squad, I think that the Suicide Squad would come off as a little bit more daring and a little bit more unique in what it does.
0: And sure, you but it wasn't it... created in the in a right unsaturated right. market. Like and I, I can't give it credit for that.
1: No, absolutely. I, I just thought it was worth mentioning that, you know, where yep. it's you can't say whether or not the suicide squad would be the suicide squad without the current state that we're in as far as superhero movies go. But I do think that the suicide squad does do some interesting things to kind of break away from that a little bit. In a lot of ways it is kind of formulaic, but I do think that it, by, like it performs on that formula very well, this kind of story where you know you have a bunch of misfits learning to work together. And I think that, again, for the most part, the it balances its tone very well. And I will briefly speak to, again, David Ayer's Suicide Squad, which I just watched. I watched it after watching James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. But it is an improvement on that movie in pretty much every way. Um, the characterization is much better, whereas in David Ayer's movie, it was non-existent. The tone is nailed a lot better. The pacing is a lot better. In David Ayer's movie, nothing happens for the first 50 minutes, pretty much. Mm -hmm. It was agonizing to watch. Um, But, yeah, I think that one thing that I will very briefly highlight and praise in The Suicide Squad is Harley Quinn, who I think, I... In my opinion, her character is very well portrayed in the movie. I think that isolating her from the rest of the squad to give her a little bit of a spotlight was a good narrative decision, just so we see her develop a little bit more as an individual before joining the group proper. Uh, Also,
0: with that... I did want to give a little bit of praise too to the visual effects in Harley's scenes. She has a fight yes. scene. Um, it's just it's beautifully done, and I again I haven't seen Birds of Prey either, and I think they drew a lot of inspiration in this film from the visuals in that film, just based off the little bits of Birds of Prey I've seen. But um, it's just beautiful. Uh, they do it very well, and it, and it fits Harley in the way that she's been developed. Um, so I, I do want to. I want to affirm what you've already said. Like, Mm -hmm. that is a real strong uh, sequence. All of the Harley solo scenes are really strong.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in this movie, she's actually a character, whereas in David Ayer's Suicide Squad, like the rest of the cast, she is a cardboard cutout. Um, But yeah, a strong performance in a movie with a lot of big actors talented actors and strong performances.
0: Yeah. Um I do have one little small uh <laughs> thing. This is very small. Um Ratcatcher 2 has no power. Um <laughs> she has a wand that controls rats and anybody else could pick it up and do what Ratcatcher 2 does and they could have like There's no reason why she needs to be sent on this mission when they could have sent anybody they wanted and given it them the wand. Sure,
1: I think maybe it could be that she knows the specific way to use the wand that you know appeals to the
0: rats. Yeah, I I, like. I said I like the character, so I don't have a problem viewing it. But just from a world sense point of view, like where's the logic in this? Uh, Sure, I'm. I'm
1: also just being a little bit pedantic, where it's like, oh, maybe her dad Taika Waititi taught her the ways of the rat or whatever. I mean, it's a character that sure. controls, it a character that controls rats. So I'm not
0: going to think too hard about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> like I said, this is a small critique. This isn't like, this does not make or break the movie. Um, sure. I mean, yeah. if, if I, if
1: I weren't pursuing a small gripe to its furthest extends, then this wouldn't be where the story stops. So King
0: I'll. <laughs> oh, by the way, we didn't talk about this enough. Sylvester Stallone plays a giant shark.
1: Yeah! Ki- <laughs> King uh, Shark. Looking Nanawe is great king yeah. shark uh also a character with a surprising amount of heart there's this one scene where he is just in this aquarium and running around gleefully at these weird alien looking at these weird alien fish in the aquarium that turn out to actually be like full of teeth and carnivorous but for the moment it's this very like weirdly yeah colorful gleeful scene where he's just kind of Cutely running around looking at the fish it's like this is nice this is not a moment that i ever expected in any property to happen with a anthropomorphic man-eating shark yeah yeah uh
0: i'm glad we got that in there because i would have regretted if we didn't mention a little bit the fact that that's a character (laughs) um it's like Groot, but more yeah, it's like, but <laughs> but a shark
1: instead of a tree. Yeah, and he, um, and he can speak. So yeah. Say the same line. And um, one one more thing that I will say about this movie is that I do think that it lives up to the name a lot better than that first movie and also just generally better than I expected it to. I mean, you do have that first scene with a bunch of characters that are written to be killed on that beach and that's fair that that is i mean that sets the tone pretty well but also the main characters do have some plot armor but more yeah, of them it's are a, more it's of them a are effective movie. yeah it's a comic <laughs> book movie and also more of them are effectively dead by the end of the movie than i would have expected i say effectively dead because technically john cena's peacemaker is not dead at the end of the movie but for all intents and purposes if you were not to watch the post credit scene it would be a Fair assumption to think that he was dead, and for the purposes of the movie he's removed from the plot. So, yeah. yeah, It killed off more of its characters than I thought it would, and I appreciated that about it.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, really strong performances. Um, Good visuals. Uh, I have some plot issues um, that we've discussed. Um, I have slight tone issues, but overall strong. Um, Better than the Snyder Cut. Uh, yeah, that's where I disagree. We should we should move into our <laughs> grades at this point, um, so that we can uh, more effectively do this. And you know, you guys can cross check on the wiki to make sure we're being consistent. But um, there's not a wiki. But if you want to create a wiki, do it. If if you think that <laughs> if you feel that we are being inconsistent,
1: tweet at us. Yeah. Uh, at stop square stops where. Stops where uh, make sure to use the hashtag where the story stops. Um, <laughs> okay, let's
0: let's do our grades. Let's do, let's do let's our do grades right. Um, the Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn, is a C plus film. Yeah, it's a C plus. Uh, if it appeals to you, watch. If the trailer appeals to you, you should watch it. If it doesn't, don't bother. You're not missing. You're not missing anything more than what the trailer shows.
1: Sure, I will give it a. I'll give it a B. A little bit of a strong ranking there. But I would say that it is above... First off, above average as far as superhero films go. Um, And I think that, in my opinion, it is certainly the strongest of the DCEU movies. It is the kind of movie that I would have no problem re-watching. And that is, you know, a big part of... Yeah, that's a big endorsement, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's a a blast to watch. I had a lot of fun watching it. I had a lot of fun watching it a second time. And I am sure that I would have a lot of fun watching it a third time as well. I'm going to bump it down to a B-minus, actually. Just because, you know, it wasn't outstanding incredible but you know i i enjoyed it a lot so b minus for me for james guns the suicide squad okay awesome
0: awesome um i believe in that case it has tied your grade for uh snyder cut um i could be wrong i haven't I, checked I, my notes I gave, but i, I believe I gave, you gave that a b minus i did not give hmm, that seems... you raised it up at the end after our discussion um Anyway, I, we can we can double check that <laughs> afterward. Don't worry.
1: Well, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll check
0: it. You know, you
1: fans out there, hold us, hold Colin accountable
0: <laughs> to his blatant lies. Well, one of us is wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that is the big drama story of the week. That is the big drama story of the week. Which uh, is rated higher in the DCU? You know, gotta gotta check the notes, but. You know what time it is? What time is it? It's time for a progress like a report. Getting a little song in there. Ooh, get a the little song. Do, get do, fancy. Do. Okay, Ryan, you're up first. Give us All right. a progress report. Sure. So,
1: the two most recent movies that I watched, apart from. The Suicide Squad, and David Ayer's Suicide Squad. The two most recent movies I watched were Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. That's the and second one. That is the second one. That's two, for those of you who are not uh, pirates' heads as cars. I'm kidding. Um, and the second, the most recent movie that I watched, apart from those, is Toy Story 4. Pirates of the Caribbean 2, I'll talk a little bit about first. You know, it's a... It, again, pretty solid as far as sequels go. Surprisingly dark. I mean, first fifteen minutes, someone's minutes someone's getting their eyes poked out by a raven. um But it is one of the two good movies in Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, and you know, pretty solid. Bill knight is a Squid Man. What more can you ask for? Toy Story Four. Wait, you didn't give a grade? Oh, didn't give a grade. It's a progress um,
0: report. You can.
1: Yeah, solid C plus. Solid C plus for Dead Man's Stress. C plus. Okay. Yeah. Um, Toy Story four. Wow. Uh, it was it was really good. It kind of caught me off guard. I got emotional at a bunch of different parts during Toy Story four. A surprisingly mature and sometimes dark movie. Um, it's it, it deals with a lot of darker and more serious themes like feeling spent and useless and as if you have no purpose or direction in your life that's what woody struggles with throughout the movie and it is somehow they keep making toy stories that don't feel stale or like they're retreading the same ground and I think that's because they uh, go with yeah, they go like interesting new directions thematically with it, they do new things um and yeah, for that reason, Toy Story four gets a b plus nice, yeah, yeah, very good, highly recommend it's a strong no matter report. what age yeah, it's a strong progress report thank you what would you what do you have on your
0: progress report today for us, Colin? okay, a couple movies. I've seen recently that we need on a progress report. I saw, I rewatched iRobot recently, which is a classic iRobot starring Will Smith. Um, It is, it's just a classic action action movie. Uh, I forgot that, I forgot a lot of it in terms of, like, I remember the main plot, but like, I forgot that Will Smith is so standoffish (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in that film. Um, It's Mm -hmm. fun it is uh, the type of movie that is just like a perfect like nonsense kind of action movie, like not nonsense as in it doesn't make sense, but I mean, it's, it's just easy watching. Like it doesn't deal with heavy topics, even though I guess you could argue artificial intelligence is like a heavy topic, but it doesn't take it in any like foreseeable <laughs> path. So, um, yeah, I think it's very good, um, very fun, and I would rate it a B. Um, actually, no, I'd rate it a B plus because Ooh. because I think it's close to as good as, as that story can be told. I think it's close to as good as that story can be told, so I'm giving it a B plus um, for that story. Yeah. I Robot as
1: good as Toy Story four. You heard it here first, folks.
0: Uh, it. I would argue that it executes on the story it is trying to tell as well as Toy Story 4. I think Toy Story Fair 4 enough. is the movie I would rather watch. Um, Fair enough. Fair which, enough. again, gets back to how I do these grades. Um, sure, sure. <laughs> Second, Second movie. Um, another movie I recently watched is Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Uh, I guess you call it a rom-com? Yeah? It's, yeah. It's solid. It's fun. Um, I think Steve Carell is a very talented actor. I think Kira Knightley is also talented. Um, and she does very well in this role. Um, my favorite character is Steve Carell's wife in both real life and in the movie because she has no speaking roles. Um, but upon hearing that the world is going to end in two weeks, she immediately gets out of the car that they are both in and runs in the opposite direction and never says a word. And it's so funny to me that that is his actual wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's solid. It's not a movie that I will ever rewatch. Um, you know, it, it's a kind of movie that's a one-time watch, in my opinion. Um, well done, but will blend into... A collection of rom-coms in my memory um and for that reason i'm gonna give it a b minus like it does what it's trying to do um there are some things that it does that it doesn't pay off on but you know it's it's enjoyable overall so i'd I'd say b minus maybe c plus no i'm gonna change it to c plus got it got it
1: we are nothing if not lenient with last minute changes to letter grades here
0: yeah i mean you already did it so exactly yeah there you go you, you gotta yeah but once this is something we haven't established right and we should and we should establish it on the air sure let's do it how open are we to revisions once the podcast wraps if Ooh. if 10 episodes from now you you decide you know godzilla versus kong not good and you want to I would never, it, I'm just, this is an insane, a insane <laughs> hypothetical I'm throwing this out is to pretty illustrate a point. Hypothetical. To illustrate a point, that's all. Okay. If, okay. If you come, if I come to you or if you come to me and say, I want to make it a D. I know it was episode one and we're on episode 52, but I, I feel really bad about that and I want to change it. Is that allowed? Or is canon canon? And once the episode wraps, it's done. Well, first off,
1: Again, if I were to ever come to you and say that, I would want you to take whoever that is and ask them what they've done with Ryan. But in this insane hypothetical, I think, yeah, we should totally be open to revisions. I mean, people's opinions on movies change all the time. Sometimes you sour on a movie that you liked before due to various reasons, you know, giving more thought to it as time goes on and maturing out of it realizing that a movie that you saw in your youth was
0: perhaps a little bit more problematic than you had first envisioned things like that so I think uh, so here's my here's my suggestion then Mm. we can't change the previous letter grade but we can we can add on a second letter grade with the new context and I say this because once we say that magic line then it's got to be done it's got to be done I mean this is where this is where the story stops (laughs)